This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hey, thank you for having me. I just want to let all of your listeners know that you have to get a lot of credit for doing this podcast right now because you're running on next to zero sleep. Your son is ill. And like for everyone listening, the fact that this is happening speaks volumes about you and how how driven you are. So thank you for making this happen when you are literally on zero sleep. Oh, thank you so much, Jordan. I'm I'm honestly a huge fan of yours and as a person in the fitness industry, you're definitely someone that has really inspired me um, to actually be really candid with my clients and share my own experiences because I know that would benefit them because hearing your story and the way that you really share what you've been through, I know has impacted so many people. So I'm just really thrilled to be here chatting with you and, um, you are your your wife is expecting which is very yes. exciting congratulations <laughs> yeah you so, so look much. you'll be in my boat at some point <laughs> unfortunately up all night with a sick child um but no look I'm really really appreciative to have you here so I wanted to kind of kick things off um and if people haven't heard of you which I'm sure they have um just give us a bit of a brief overview of your history Who was Jordan when he was younger? And I guess how you've gotten to the position that you're in right now. Yeah. So uh, as of right now, I'm a a short, very bald dude who's a nerdy guy. I like lifting weights and, uh, and, and helping people with their nutrition and their fitness. But I got into all of it from a very young age from wrestling. So my mom, I come from a very short family and we're all super, I'm like five foot four, um, my family is very short and my mom wanted my brother and I to be able to defend ourselves. And so she walked into the living room one day and I was eight years old and and I was lying on the couch and she said, uh, I'm going to put you two in wrestling. And I, the only type of wrestling that I knew was like WWF style wrestling with these crazy guys, like smashing people with furniture. So I remember I asked her, I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling, which I still didn't know what that was, but she put us into it and I fell in love with it. Like I absolutely fell in love with wrestling. I was obsessed with it. It's all I thought about. It's all I did. And, um, I ended up, making varsity as a, as a freshman in high school. So my first year in high school, I beat out uh, a third year in high school for it. And, um, it was great. I was good from a technique perspective and I was good from an endurance perspective, but I had to cut a lot of weight. So I I had to cut a lot of weight. And at 14 years old, I was like, I I didn't know how to do it properly. So I basically would just starve myself. I just like, I wouldn't eat. And, um, I also, had to get stronger. I wasn't good from a strength perspective because I was 14 going up against mainly 17 and 18 year olds. There's a big strength difference between a 14 year old kid and an 18 year old kid. So I applied to a gym, a couple towns over from me. I just said, you know, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floor. Let me do anything. Let me just come and learn from you. And I was very lucky because they, number one, they took me under their wing. They accepted me and they were also very science-based. So that's how I got into the, to the strength part of the fitness industry. Um, and I developed a, a passion for the nutrition side because of 
my, my, uh, my cutting weight for wrestling. And, and at first it was all about how do you lose weight? How do you lose weight? How do you lose weight? But through wrestling, I ended up developing real issues with disordered eating. I ended up having serious binge eating issues, uh, anorexia, suffered, suffered with bulimia for a little bit, um, all just because of all the things that I had to do in order to lose weight very quickly for competitions all four years in high school. So fortunately, I was able to overcome all of that once I graduated and after my first, it took me about two years or so to really get over it after high school, but finally got over it when I was about 20, 21 years old. And, and that's a lot of what I do now is I try and help people with their food issues and anything they struggle with in terms of nutrition. Wow. So that's a lot. So you <laughs> that's a lot. lot. It's so funny. You mentioned kind of, you went into it quite naively. So just wanting to cut weight. And I kind of feel that really common for people that do end up with eating disorders or some kind of disordered eating is sometimes we think, oh, we'll just go on a diet. And before we know it, we're in this situation where our whole life revolves around what we're eating. We become obsessed with our body, with our weight, what we shouldn't be eating, what we should be eating, how much exercise we should be doing. And before you know it, this innocent thing has started off as potentially something to improve our health or a challenge or in your case, I guess, to improve performance and ensuring that you can make weight has turned into something really, really toxic and really bad. And unfortunately, it's just so rife now as well. Mm. And what's really interesting is like, we, you know, you hear quite commonly about women having eating disorders, but for men at the moment, I think it's becoming more prevalent and it's, um, it's becoming something that's a lot more common. So as someone that was a male back then, and this is quite a while ago, did you feel quite isolated? Did you even really understand what was going on and that your thoughts were somewhat disordered? I had no idea. I, I had no idea. It, it was it's sort of an interesting world in the wrestling world because I was surrounded by teammates who were doing the same thing, right? So we were, we were all literally not only starving ourselves, but dehydrating ourselves, going days without eating like a day or so, just exercising to sweat out as much weight as you can just to step on the scale and make weight for competition. And then as soon as you weigh in, you binge eat because you haven't eaten in days and you haven't drank in 16 hours, even though you've been sweating, 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 and we all do it. And we bonded over that. So at that point in my life, I didn't realize there was anything wrong with it until I left high school. And when I graduated high school and I'm no longer competitively wrestling and I'm, and I have all of these nutrition and exercise habits that no one else is having. Like I, I left, I left, uh, the United States. I lived in Boston. I left and I went to live in Israel for a year. And I remember when I went to Israel and I was doing things that I had done as a wrestler, my roommates there, they were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what is going Like, what is this? And, and I didn't know that it was weird. And I remember I would get in arguments with my mom as a, as a kid, she'd be like, what are you doing? This isn't healthy. And I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's totally fine. Everyone else is doing it. It wasn't until I left that environment that I was really like, oh, this, this is a problem. And it was taking over every thought, every waking moment from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed, all I was thinking about was food. What was my next meal going to be? How was I going to account for the calories? Am I going to be able to enjoy myself? How am I going to burn off the calories? It was everything. It's all I thought about. And then that's when I was like, okay, this isn't good. I'm not able to enjoy my life because all I'm thinking about is food. Yeah. It's a horrible way to live. You know, like food is a really big part of life that when it starts to control us like that, with massive red flag that things are not the way that they should be. 
And I guess like going from that situation, what can happen is, is, you know, as someone that has also had um, a history of an eating disorder as well, it's all good and well to say, okay, yeah, this isn't, this isn't healthy, but actually making a change is terrifying because you have got this sense of control in your life when you feel like you can control what you're consuming or how much exercise you're doing or what you weigh. Right. And then, deciding to change that is really really scary so for you what were the first what do the first steps look like essentially you know you're in a place now where you have a really healthy relationship with food but I could only imagine that didn't happen overnight it took some time and it probably took some implementing different steps in your life so what exactly did that look like yeah so there were many different like many moments we'll call it that really led to uh to helping me develop a better relationship with food and the first thing I'll say is like, I, I don't know if I wait, like I always, I hesitate to say that I regret anything that happened or that I would change anything that happened just because so much great has so much good stuff has happened as a result of it. But I do think there's such a massive benefit to, if you are struggling with food to seek out help from a therapist, which I did not have at that time. And I didn't know that I probably would have benefited from, um, I very much believe that if I had had access to that, and if I even knew that I could have used that, it would have been probably a much smoother transition. I'm very lucky that I got to where I am now without ever needing that. Um, It probably took much longer, but I was able to do it on my own. But I do think seeking out therapy is super helpful and important. Um, One of the very first things that I did that actually pushed me more into disordered eating was intermittent fasting. Uh, And I I did that because I started it because I thought that was the key to fat loss. And this is in 2008 or something. Like I had just heard of intermittent fasting and, you know, I was super obsessed with it. I was like, Oh, I've got to fast. I can't have breakfast. And basically what I would do is I would start just skipping breakfast. Then I started skipping lunch. And then I realized the more I did, the longer I didn't eat, the more I could eat when I finally did. And that was very enticing to me, this idea of being able to eat as much as I possibly want at a single time, which when you break it down, that's, that's called binge eating. And so I didn't realize it at that time, but the first thing I did is I stopped intermittent fasting, which was actually very scary for me because I had spent so many years at that point thinking that intermittent fasting was necessary for fat loss, that the idea of stopping it was very, very scary and nerve wracking for me. But that was actually when I realized that I was scared to stop intermittent fasting, that's when I realized that I needed to stop because I remember growing up my whole life, everyone always said breakfast was the most important meal of the day. And there were so many people who I knew who were very healthy and had very low body fat percentages that ate breakfast all the time. So I was like, why am I so scared of having breakfast. And when I realized that I was like, okay, no more intermittent fasting. This is clearly a problem that I I think candidly, I'm very lucky that I realized that on my own at like 18, 19 years old. So I stopped intermittent fasting and that immediately helped a lot that like, like literally immediately the first day I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulder. When I woke up, I remember I went out and I had breakfast with my friends and I was just like, this is awesome. Like, I love it. This is amazing. It was, it was nerve wracking, but as soon as I did it, I was like, this is great. It was a huge weight off my shoulders. Um, and, and I still, even then I still had struggles with binging though. So even though a lot of my food anxiety was gone, I would still find myself in the habit of binging at night when I was alone. And, and I realized a lot of that came from meticulously counting my calories. 
And so even though I stopped intermittent fasting, I was still meticulously tracking. And so I realized again, I was like, I'm scared to stop tracking. So that means I have to stop tracking, which is really like every time I realized what I was scared to do, it meant I had to do it. There were times when I was like, I'm scared to take a rest day from working out. Okay. That means I need to take a rest day from working out. Right. It's like where some people, their issue is getting to the gym period where it's working out at all for other people. The issue is you're going too hard. You're working too much. And I realized I'm tracking my calories too meticulously. I need to stop. So I remember vividly, I, I came home from college one day or one year. I was, it was my freshman year of college. I came home during winter break and, and every night I was, I was at my mom's apartment outside Boston. And every night when she would go to bed, I would binge every single night. I'd have a huge binge. I remember the amount of food that I could eat is unbelievable and like entire sleeves of bagels. And, and it was so like, I don't even think my mom realized what was going on because she doesn't know much about nutrition. She never, I think she just thought, Oh, he's like a, he's a young guy. Like he just eats a lot. And so like, I don't really think she ever thought that it was a disorder at that point. She just would wake up and a lot of food was gone and she's like, Oh, he's probably just eating a lot and like never really pictured it as a binge. So, but I remember I'm never happy. You're no one's ever excited or happy that they binge. They feel terrible the whole time they're doing it. Literally as I was eating, I was like, I want to yeah. stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. But I can't, I like, I, it was this compulsive, impulsive thing that I could not stop. And after, and every night I would do it. And then I, I would in bed, I'd be like, oh, all right, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. And then of course it would happen every night. So I remember one day I went into the bathroom after I binged and I looked myself in the mirror and I just said, I'm never fucking doing that again. Like I'm done. And so I, I said, I need to stop counting calories. And so that's when I stopped counting my calories. And after that, I, I never binged again. Yeah. I, I just stopped counting calories. And I will say I did gain a little bit of weight after that, when I stopped counting my calories. Uh, cause I think a lot of people they're like, well, how do I fix my relationship with food without gaining weight? And I think you can do that. There, there are some cases where someone might be able to do that, but sometimes you have to be okay with gaining a little bit of weight in order to have a healthier relationship with food. And, and I've always very much believed that if you make any physical progress, on the foundation of an unhealthy relationship with food, that physical progress will inherently be short term. And so when I was okay with gaining a little bit of body fat to stop calorie counting, and then I gained a little bit and it took me like a, a, only a couple of months before I, I was no longer like I had no, not never mind not binging, but no impulses to binge, nothing. I just felt like I had a very good relationship with food. Then I got my body composition back where I wanted it to be. Like I, I, I never really had to, I didn't really count calories again, but I was able to moderate my portions control without needing to meticulously track. And then I lost the body fat and I felt great. And I was athletic and I performed really well without needing to meticulously track, but it was the stopping the intermittent fasting and stopping the calorie counting that really were the two big ones that helped me get a, into a better mindset with food. There is so much I want to impact unpack with that because I see this all the time with my clients and Jordan your story is so similar to mine because I went and I spent a lot of time really restricting my calories and then I fell into this binge eating and then I had to gain this fat and then I was eventually and this is over years I eventually got to the place where I was really happy with my body composition and the way that I like to explain it to my clients is essentially when you have spent such a long period of time trying to live at such low calories, no matter what means you've used, whether that's intermittent fasting, whether that's the, whatever rules you've set around food, 
you need to think about the fact that your body is quite stressed out and psychologically yeah you are going to think you're going to become incredibly food focused and it's almost like you need to get to a place where your body feels like oh okay we're not ever going to go back to that again because it's kind of like in this state of just get me more calories and essentially all you want to think about is shoving food down your mouth not yep. actually like you, you spoke about not even enjoying the process in fact you are so guilt-ridden when you're doing that but it's almost like you can't stop yourself and unfortunately sometimes I think that's just the repercussions of the actions that we have taken earlier around really restricting calories and it's almost like we just need to write it out you yeah. need to write it out to be able to get to the other end and Something I would really love to touch on with you is around weight gain. So I really see this a lot with my girls. It's the the biggest thing that is feared is gaining weight. Mm -hmm. And we have a few different categories. So we have women that have come from really restrictive backgrounds that we get them increasing their calories because they've understood that the way that they've been living and the amount that they've been eating is not sustainable, neither is it healthy. It's affecting their physical health and their mental health. And actually the weight that they're at is not a healthy weight for them. So they kind of need to gain some body fat. However, they're terrified of that, right? Mm -hmm. So then a really sticky situation. It's almost like they're both hard options. You either stay doing what you're doing, which will inevitably lead to binge eating, which will probably inevitably, inevitably lead to get weight gain anyway, or you yep. make the active choice of actually learning how to nourish your body adequately and potentially be okay with gaining a bit more weight. And then we have, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is probably maybe potentially where you landed, where you've got to spend some time at a heavier weight in order to actually get to the body that you want to in the future. And what's really difficult is making that decision and understanding that and accepting that and being okay at being a heavier weight. And I think that actual process is full of gold in that, it teaches you to detach your value from the way that you look. And I think in the world that we live in now, our looks, we can place so much importance on the way that we look. And in particular on what the scale says we weigh, where if you can detach that and start to work on who you are as a person and potentially, you know, focus on performance goals as opposed to always thinking about food and exercise as a means to look a certain way, you learn so much within that process. And the funny thing is, is once you get to the place where you're okay with that, the, the body composition just falls into line. You end up getting to the place physically that you want to get to. Um, is that something that you experienced? Oh, absolutely. You know, you bring up a really good point and I think it's worth hitting on. Sometimes people will ask me some questions similar to like, how did you get so confident, right? How do you get so confident? And for example, how do you get confident speaking on camera? People ask me that all the time. And I always say, well, if you go back and look at my early videos, I was super nervous. I was red in the face. I was, I was going side to side. I was like, I was, uh, you could hear in my voice that I was nervous. It was like wobbly voice type. It was not good. It was wavering. Uh, the only way to get good at something is to do it, to practice it, to try it. And I think what's going on with, with people, one of the reasons they're afraid to gain weight is because they're scared of what other people will think of them. Right? They're, they're insecure about what other people will think of them when they gain weight. And a lot of people want to have this, I don't give a fuck mentality. They want to develop that. Well, how do you develop the mentality that you don't give a fuck? Well, 
You have to do something that's going to scare you to get to the point where you actually don't give a fuck. And it, sometimes that will, in this situation, stopping doing the thing that's going to cause you to gain weight, but it's going to help you develop a healthier relationship with food might be scary because you're worried about what, about what people will think. But once you gain the weight and you develop the healthier relationship with food, you're no longer going to care what people think because you've gone through it. You've put yourself in that situation. So it's super scary. And people will often use it's easier said than done as a justification not to do it at all. But literally everything in the world, literally every fucking thing is easier said than done. Just because it's easier said than done, it doesn't justify not doing it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So if you really want to develop this, I don't give a shit attitude, and you just want to do it because you know it's right for you, that means you've got to suck it up and you have to say, you know what, this is right for me mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I need to do this for my mental health, for my family's health, for everything. And you have to give that a shot. So I, that's a hundred percent what I went through. And, and it's funny because once I went through it, I really think I developed a more, I, I became more confident with myself because I went through an entire period of where I was, I was a little bit self-conscious about it. But when you go through that and you work through that self-consciousness, you actually end up becoming more confident as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're so right. You know, I think anything good in life comes from a place of fear. And you spoke about this um, initially when we, we first started chatting around, you realize when something made you feel fearful and uncomfortable, you needed to do that thing. Yeah. And I really believe that. Um, I think what's really funny as well is we can create a scenario in our head if we looked at, say, weight gain as it being the worst thing on the planet. And it almost becomes this thing that we fear so much that when we actually arrive in that place, we realise it's not what we thought it would be. And the other thing to keep in mind is that if you are in a place where you are miserable because you're literally starving yourself, hardly eating anything, you can't miss a gym session. You need to stick to a ridiculously small amount of calories. You won't let yourself eat breakfast. You're miserable and you don't like yourself anyway. Where if you can hold a couple more kilos on your body, but you can have balance, you can go out and enjoy a meal out with friends without freaking out. You can have a packet of chocolates and have one or two and stop at that. The freedom you get from living that kind of life and the confidence you gain from that outweighs the fact that you weigh a couple of kilos or a couple of pounds less any day well that's like so you should clip that and post that on social media like that was so perfectly said it's a hundred percent accurate I couldn't agree more yeah and I think um I guess where I feel so passionate for women is that it's so sad and you know it same goes with men I suppose living up to this ideal this physical ideal for me fitness nutrition I I want it so badly, and I know you do as well, Jordan, to be so much more than us just using it as a means to look a certain way Mm -hmm. because it allows you to live the life that you want to live. And if diet and exercise means you need to live small and you need to live confined and essentially anxious all the time and stressed all the time and with poor mental health, then you're doing it wrong, where it should actually be super empowering. You should be having performance goals where you want to feel really strong. You want to be living your best life and you want to think about your longevity. You don't want to just think about being the smallest version of yourself that you feel that society thinks is acceptable. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's so, it's so interesting because I mainly work with women. So, so I see this all like wanting to be smaller, wanting to be smaller. It is interesting though, how 
we've taken the idea of size is so important. Women often try to be smaller, 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 and men often try to be bigger, bigger, bigger. They, they get because if you look at it like male like action figures of, of superheroes, they're fucking huge. They're jacked out of it. Like you never like a re, like you don't see a regular looking dude as a superhero, right? It's like they're all jacked and huge. And and it's funny because we, right now in society we look at at women a lot in terms of there, one thing I love seeing is take up more space, like stop trying to be the smallest version of yourself. Like I love seeing that men, they go the opposite direction where they're pumping themselves full of drugs in order to get as big as they possibly can. They're literally risking going to prison and giving themselves heart attacks by pumping themselves full of illegal steroids in order to be the biggest possible person they can, because that's what they think they think they have to be like they, they've been told that they have to be huge. They have to be jacked. That's what they see in posters. That's what they see in movies and TV. And so a, a lot of times people will say like, oh, men don't have it as hard because, you know, you're you're supposed to be big. It's like, yeah, that's why they're injecting themselves with shit that it could literally kill them in order to get as big as possible. And the reality is the middle ground here is we need to stop focusing on size and, and start focusing on who you are, the character of you as an individual on what you can, on, on what you can do and what you can bring to society and, and the, how good of a person you are, not the size of you as an individual. That's like the thing that matters the least in, in regard yeah. to anybody, you know? Yeah. Oh, so right. It's, it's so, it saddens my heart. Even when I hear like men doing that, because you just go, you placed all of your value on what, you look like and also how others are going to perceive you when there is so much more to you yeah and I, I just want to heart I just want to focus on what you just did say around character because funny for me the biggest game changer in my story was becoming a mum and when I became a mum you lose a lot of control in your life well, you become a parent I should say and you know you're going to become a parent really soon as well but so much of what you used to do in your independence is essentially stripped from you and now your whole world and your whole focus is shifted from yourself and it's shifted onto somebody else. And what that did for me was took the focus off of myself. So I didn't have so much time to think about me, what I looked like, what I ate. Now my purpose in life was to actually make sure I give this little human the best life possible, which was actually the most wonderful thing and I think what we can do in society is live so much for ourselves and mm. we focus so much on us everything becomes about us we want to improve you know even with self-help which is all wonderful stuff but it's also self-centric and we get so caught up in our own heads believing that the world revolves around us the way that we look is so important when no one cares <laughs> we're all Correct. living our own life and being able to shift that focus onto what can I do to leave a legacy in this world that's going to make a positive impact on someone? And by legacy, you know, that can be on a daily basis. Can you just smile at someone when you walk, walk past? Can you buy someone's coffee? The, the person that you are and how you make people feel is going to give you so much more confidence in who you are as a person than the number that you weigh on the scale. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I completely agree. And I always think about in terms of legacy, sort of the, the thought that comes to my mind is picturing my funeral and the people who are at my funeral and nobody is like, no one's going to stand up and be like, do you, did you see how good he looked in his beach pictures? 
Like no one's going to be like, did you see how lean he was when he was like, no, they're going to, I want them to talk about like how, how, how much I maybe helped them in a hard time or whatever it was like, that's a legacy, like what people will think about and what they talk about at your funeral. And realistically, like no one is going to be like, oh yeah, they had a, they had a pretty significant love handle, or I had a lot of stubborn fat on their, on their lower belly. No one's talking about that. They, they just talk about the the type of person you were. So I think focusing on that is sort is a sort of a good way to put yourself in the right mindset of what kind of a life do you want to lead and, and what are you okay with doing right now? Yeah, totally agree. All right. So let's just say we have someone right now who is stuck in this situation where they're fearful of eating more. They are, they have these uh, fears around food. And I do want to preface, and you've mentioned this, you know, I always talk to my girls, make sure you see therapists. We should all really be seeing therapists, right? Like, yeah, for whatever reason, we all got issues. And I think having someone there that's trained and qualified to help you work through um, generally those really deeper core issues about yourself is so important. But yeah. I also do believe having some practical things in life that we can implement are really helpful as well. So got someone who's quite fearful of eating more. They do feel like their value is based a lot around how they look. What are some tangible steps that they can take today to be able to improve their relationship with food, exercise, and themselves? Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult, right? It's, it's a very difficult, like, broad stroke. But what I'll, I'll say is this. I'm going to talk to the person who who is, like, overly meticulous, right? The person who who is, like, I, in this situation, based on everything we've discussed, I'm not talking to the person who struggles to, to get to the gym or the person I'm talking, I'm talking to the person who does it too much. The person who's scared to take a rest day, the person who's scared to not count their calories. Um, I, I think what you, you really have to look at number one, what is the thing that scares you the most? Like, is it taking a rest day? Is it, is it stopping intermittent fasting? Is it stopping counting your calories? You have to look at the thing that scares you the most. And I would start with that. I would address that first and foremost. Um, for me, something that helps help, help me and a lot of my clients is I always try and ask, what's the advice that you would give your best friend? Or even, even for example, you could talk to your worst enemy. Like let's say your worst enemy came up to you and they were like, listen, I'm really scared about gaining some weight. Uh, I, I don't want to, I like, I, I'm tracking my calories and like, I know I should stop, but I, I am too scared to, you'd probably be nicer to your worst enemy than you would be to yourself. Like a lot of times the way you'd speak to your best friend or your worst enemy is way better than, than how you'd speak to yourself. So I think one of the, one of the best things you can do is maybe take a minute to write down on a pen and paper, what you're currently doing. Like, are you counting your calories? Write that down. Are you intermittent fasting? Write that down. Are you calorie cycling? Are you carb cycling? Are you working out? If yes, is your workout schedule every single day? Like, what are you doing? Write it down. And I want you to ask yourself, honestly, would you tell your best friend to do this? Would you tell like your child, okay, this is how you should structure your nutrition. This is how you should structure your training. If the answer is no, then I want you to edit that piece of paper to make it something that you'd feel comfortable giving your friend. Cause a lot of, for example, and using the rest day as a workout uh, rest day from your workout example, no one would ever in their right mind tell their best friend, yes, you should work out every single day. You should not have any rest days. Everybody would be like, Nope, you need to have at least two to three rest days a week for sure. You should not be going every single day, but when it's, it comes to themselves, they go super, super hard and they, they don't take any rest days. So write down on a piece of paper, what your plan is, and then edit it to make sure it's something you would feel comfortable giving your best friend. Uh, I think this is one, actually the great parts about hiring a coach is you get a plan written out just for you. 
right? When it's like, hey, this is your plan. This is what you're doing versus when you're just doing it based off of fear and what like you're scared to have happen, you end up making emotional choices that do more harm than good. So when you write out the plan for yourself, well, this is actually what my plan is. You can objectively analyze it and say, this is what I need to change. Love that. That's awesome. And I think that's something that we can all do today. I think that accountability piece is really important. Having someone there in your corner supporting you because, oh, yeah. you know, when we're when we're doing something that causes a lot of fear, it's really easy to just retract and go back to what feels more comfortable. But if you're held accountable, that can be a really big game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks so much for sharing that, Jordan. I've loved chatting to you. Honestly, I just want to say a big thank you. You're a huge inspiration to me. You're a massive light to people around you and you just, I, I love your humor. If you're not following Jordan on social media, where are you at? So everyone can uh, follow you. If, if you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find me on Instagram, my own podcast. I'm on every platform. Yeah, yeah. I highly recommend guys following him pretty much everywhere. You give out such incredible content and uh, massive inspiration to so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. You're an amazing host. I really appreciate it a lot. And that is a wrap. That was such an incredible conversation with Jordan. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, please take a screenshot of this podcast, share it onto your stories, share it with a friend, leave a rating and review. It helps so much get the word out. Anyway, guys, I will be back here with another podcast episode next week. Big love, Coach Tash. 